this podcast may contain spoilers for whatever TV show or movie is mentioned. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to viewers anonymous. Yo, what's going on? I am Scoots Bronson. And I am S. Foster. That's right, and you tuned into another episode of the Viewers Anonymous podcast, where we give you our very own reviews and takes of movies and TV straight out of Hollywood. What's going on with you, Brody? Man, can't call it, man. Just uh, had an eventful day today. You know what I'm saying? Had to uh, had to help some people out, and you know, was a uh, hit hit with some unexpected things, but you know, yeah. it's all good, man. You know, knocked that out, man. You know what I'm saying? When we um went and hit up my sister, and then we went up to the mom Duke's house. So, you know, it's been one of those tight days, man. Turned into kind of a family day, but uh, okay, okay. But other than that, though, man, I'm doing all right, man. How about yourself, man? How you feeling, man? I'm feeling amazing. Um, today was a cool day, man. It's it's uh, it's been hot. It's been hot, mm, and it yeah. ain't like kind of hot to where it's like you know you see like 80 degrees and you know like it's gonna be hot. Like it's been hot. Like when you walk outside, the heat. Like hug you, like it, 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 you know what I'm saying. It wrap his arms around you. That type hot, like it follow you. You know what I'm saying. So I've been trying to stay cool, man. I've been trying to stay in the air conditioning and drink plenty of water and stuff like that. It's been in the 80s all week except for like Monday. So yeah, outside of that, man, that that's pretty much about it. And listen, let me tell you something. You talking about 80s, bro? We down here in the nineties and the hundreds. Like I'm talking about, I'm getting in my truck and the, and the heat index is saying like one sixteen, one oh six. Like, yeah, yeah. Shit, it's, that's, it's, what like. that's what it feel like down here though. Like I mean, it say eighty, but when I'm telling you that heat is following you, like it's it's so hot and it, and I it's it gotta be the humidity, man. Like it's so hot to where like when you walk into a place. Like, you know, you go into the store and they got air conditioning. When you walk mm-hmm. in there, the heat is still on you for a good two minutes. It's like a Damn. sweater of heat. It's like it's a heat like hoodie. A heat hoodie. This guy. <laughs> Yo, I'm talking about it's so hot here. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I do a little thing to just, you know, let my car breathe a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I crack the windows, you know, while I'm working. Dude, That's it's cool. so hot here. It's, I know, right? You get in the car. And then your your arms immediately is soaking wet, yeah, from sweat. Yep. Like you know, usually you sweat from your face. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Nah, like your your whole arms get glossy. That's how yep. hot it is down here. It's just like yo, this this is this is not cool. It's, it's, it's man, not cool. It ain't, it ain't nothing but back sweat, crack sweat, and forehead sweat everywhere everywhere I go, man. Everywhere. I oh go. yeah. Yes, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a different type of heat nowadays, man. So yeah, everybody sure. be cool, drink your water, stay hydrated. Yeah, and if you ain't likes got, all that shit. If you ain't got the right pigmentation, man, put that sunscreen on too, please. Tell you, dangerous out here, man. They had a uh, they said like Arizona or one of them mid uh mid states. They had like a uh, record highs of like hundred degrees plus. For like damn near all month, I think yeah, it was like Arizona or maybe New Mexico or one of them. But I, I think it was Arizona. I remember hearing something about Arizona. Yeah, it's it's a different it's a different type of heat because they got that dry heat, that desert heat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I hear stories. I definitely hear stories. So 
Yeah, man. Everybody be careful. I'm also excited though, man, because football is back. You know what I'm saying? Preseason games been on. Um, my Browns are one and two in the preseason. I mean, one and one in the preseason. I'm sorry. I'm already giving us another loss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they looking good, man. I'm excited about that. So you know what I'm saying. Got a chance to watch them both games. So I'm I'm, I'm ready for this one, man. Four three coming soon. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good year for the rest of the year, man. man listen, I, I hope so, man. Um, I'm I used to be that preseason head mm-hmm. until. It was one year, I believe, that had to be, I think it was the 2013 season, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. where my Niners went 0-4 in the preseason. Oh. And I'm sitting here like, man, what the fuck? And then we go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and lose to the Ravens. No. <laughs> it's just like, I, I watch it for, because so, so, like, for me, I watch it to see, like, the standouts, you know what I'm saying? The guys that could possibly step up in the season when we really need them to. And, of course, you know, for, like, fantasy football, because every now and then, you know what I'm saying, we might see a dude in the preseason that show out, get cut from the team. Next thing you know, he playing for some other team. And, you know what I'm saying, he a, a major contribution. So that's what I really watch it for. Um, but also just, man, it's football, man. I just I just want to watch a game. I don't give a damn. During preseason, they could have the fucking Texans and the Commanders playing. I'm going to watch it, so. See the thing that see, but this is the one thing that's tricky about preseason is the fact of like, you know what I'm saying? Your team drafted this one rookie, you really want to see him, right? And mm-hmm. then you see him play against they other rookies and they second stringers mm-hmm. and third stringers, and you're like, oh man, this dude gonna be all right. And then yeah, you get like, the season, you be like, <laughs> damn, like I thought it was gonna be some good, man. And it's just like, and then you remember, okay, well he wasn't playing against nobody really, so. It's just for me. It's the, the preseason. Is, it's it's very tricky. It's, yeah. To me, it is, and it's just like I don't want to get my hopes up or down. So it's just like you know what? I'm just gonna wait till the regular season starts. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen any preseason yet. Um, but you know, I've always looked forward more to, and I don't know why I got more of a passion for my nose than I do my Niners. I don't know why I've always been like a That's stronger weird. college That's- fan. Yeah, college football is just that. Like, I don't – I man, let me tell you something. Once Ohio State get the plan, everything shut down. I don't care <laughs> nobody say, don't, don't call me. Don't ask me to come do nothing. Don't don't ask me to come in the, the kitchen and look at something. Don't ask me to taste nothing. Either bring it to me or, or, or come to me. But outside of that, it's over with, bro. It's over with. Hey, I feel you on that one, 100%. So, um, man, listen, we're about to move on into one of our favorite segments. Um, this segment is for, you know what I'm saying, for us to give you guys um, extra pieces of the things that we watch outside of the episodes that we give you guys. And, you know what I'm saying, also outside of the episodes that we give you for um, the subscribe, you know what I'm saying, portion um, of our catalog. So if you guys... You know what I'm saying? We'll just sit back, kick your feet up, grab your popcorn, and whatever drink you got, get ready for what we like to call what we watching. Let's do it.
Oh, shout out to Casey. Um, yes, what you got, man? Uh, I got two this week. Um, one, I'm not gonna dwell on it too long. Um, but it is uh just the fact that there's a new season out. Uh, I started watching the sixth season of The Shy. Um, obviously, this has been a show I've been on for a minute because it's in the sixth yeah, season. Yeah, Jacob Lattimore, man, killing it, man. Him and you know Lena Waithe, you know, mm-hmm. and the, you know the way the direction that she's taking the show. Shout out to Iman Shumpert, man. He's more and more, yeah. he's getting more time on the show. And uh, now they just brought in Lynn Whitfield, man. Now Lynn Whitfield, Iman Shumpert's mama on the show. Like oh, of course. that just got that just got revealed uh, yeah. in the second season. I meant the second episode. Either she's yeah. somebody's mama or she's CEO of a company for sure. It, yeah, so it's it's wild that they just brought her into the show, man. So, uh, man, it's just one of those shows. What what I'm gonna tell you what I really like about the shot, the fact of they do a really really good job of splitting the time between the different families and things like that. But honestly, the show is really led by kids. Like mm-hmm. the kids are really now they're teenagers now, but they are really like the main characters and it's good to see young actors where you first of all you see them grow but you see their talent gradually get better and better and better and it's just like to put that much not effort but to put that much stock into kids in a in a show like the shy I think that's very important. So, um, you know, the, it, it seems like this season is 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 really going to ramp up, man. Like um, seeing some of the the up and coming things that's coming in the upcoming episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. the shot about to get real wild, which it's always been a wild show anyway. But then you got Lena Waithe, you know, being you know, the type of person that she is and and wanting to add some of the things that she want to add to the show is, uh, you know, I know a lot of people feel a lot of way about certain things, but I, I just think that she is like, I think when you know you're lying, you know you're lying. I put it that way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like Mark Scorsese, we know he's going to give us a Bob film. You know what I mean? So you know what you're getting into. Let's just put it that way. You know what you're getting into if you're watching a, a Lena Waithe project. Let's put it that way. Um, so shout out to the sixth season of The Shot. So I, I didn't want to go that long on that one because I know there's going to be some shit said about the other one that I watched. Mm-mm. Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we done one or two. I don't remember how many but anyway, untold. Johnny, Johnny Football. Oh, man. Johnny, fuck up. Yo. That's his name. Johnny, fuck up. Yo, my guy. This shit is wild. This okay. shit is wild. Like, to the, 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 the most wildest story in this whole thing. And it reminded me of, I can only think of one thing at the moment. Mm -hmm. So if y'all people, let me take you on a ride real quick. 
If y'all have ever seen the movie Flight, I know you've seen it. You know what I'm Denzel? saying? Great performance done by Denzel. Mm -hmm. And this is the one time I got mad at Denzel. And it was because he did the shit. So Denzel is so fucking good to where he can make you honestly be mad at the character. And this is what this is the first time I ever got mad at Denzel was mm -hmm. the movie Flight. So he, you know, if anybody knows this movie, he's, you know, a dude who all he was always drunk, but he he was a pilot. He's an alcoholic <laughs> airplane pilot. <laughs> yeah. And so it was some engine related problems, and he landed the plane and like to where everybody tried to simulate it, couldn't do it. Right? Because he did this shit where he turned the shit upside down and had like the most survivors of like a crash that ever had or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he's going to do these meetings or whatever, and they had to do sober for like a fucking week or some shit. He's yeah. doing phenomenal. And he ends up going into this other room because they gave him a room where it, there was no mini bar in it. Right. And then he ended up being able to slip into this other room. He goes into the room and he sees the mini bar. And he looks and he's like, I ain't gonna do it. But the thing though, the way that the camera did it, the camera stayed looking at the mini bar. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you just see a hand just snatch the shit. So he fucking drunk as fuck. And they gotta sober him up real quick. Yeah. And take him down there to get in front of all of these people. And then he 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 told them, like, yo, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm I'm drunk right now. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> but I bring that up. I bring that up to say. So Johnny Manziel is coming up to the combine. And they had him sober. He hasn't he he didn't drink for like a month or some shit or something like that. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he got all the drugs out of his system. He didn't party, none of that shit. So it was the day before the combine. No, no, not the combine. It was um wait a minute. Was it the combine or the pro day? No, it was the pro day. I'm sorry. So this motherfucker got himself and his receivers so fucking drunk to where the receivers could not work out. Because Johnny done it so many times. Johnny played so many games drunk as fuck to where he was used to it. But the receivers wasn't used to it. You want to know who his receivers was? Who, who he had out there catching balls? Who? <laughs> his fucking agent. His agent and like his manager had to be his receivers because he got his receivers so fucking drunk from a party that they couldn't even go out there. On his pro day? On his pro day. Yo, Manziel was out here wilding, yo. Like, That's wilding. Crazy. And I'm seeing people putting up, I saw you had posted something too, where people are, see, the thing is, when it's come to comparisons, like, it's not always, you know, say apples to apples. Sometimes it's apples to oranges. So it's kind of difficult really putting two situations up because the whole Reggie situation was the school had gave Reggie parents, they gave his dad a job, got his parents a house, all this type shit or whatever. 
Yeah. So they end up taking his Heisman away from him. And people like Hawk and Johnny can be publicizing how he's signing autographs for money, but he keeps his Heisman. And like my whole thing was it's both situations. Well, the way we look at Johnny's situation, like now that's like quote unquote like legal now. But the difference is the university is not paying Johnny Manziel. Manziel was getting paid by different people. Mm -hmm. The school, USC, provided Reggie Bush parents with that shit. Yeah. So that's what made that situation different. Because it wasn't Texas A&M paying Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was getting people paying him for his autograph. So I don't think the situations are the same. Because people was like, they took Reggie's Later on, yeah. I mean, Johnny did too, but they just but it was like when he got caught, it was, I think it was more so a thing that because, like you said, it was it was separate entities and it well, not even entities, it was actual individuals compared to with Reggie Bush, it was entities like USC, and you know, I'm saying there was some other people involved in there too that actually had. Some corporate ties, I think that's what fucked Reggie Bush up. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it, it look, it's a lot of other different stuff in there as well. Like it was one situation. I didn't know why he got cut from the Browns. Do you know the story? You might know the story because you I don't care. I'm glad he did. Yo, yo, Fuck. my guy. This motherfucker. Yeah, they said he watched. They said they looked at his tablet because they keep up with it. They said his tablet had zero point zero zero minutes watched on film. Right. So when when OBJ dad said this motherfucker doesn't know what he's doing, and everybody tried to clown him, he wasn't bullshitting. Well, this is the thing, and I'm not defending Manziel at all well, when I say this one part. OBJ dad, it was um. Cause that was Baker. It wasn't OBJ dad. It was uh oh my god, who was that? It was somebody else. Somebody somebody said that about him that he he didn't know what he was doing out there on the field. I forgot who it was, but somebody called him out about that. But so before I get to the point I was about to make was when when they were showing him in high school and they showed him at AM. And everybody make this this thing. Oh man, Johnny just playing backyard football with these guys. Yeah, literally. Exactly. There was no offense. And what I and what I didn't understand was don't get me wrong. He ended up going. This is the thing. He ended up going. And who I'm talking about is Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't know Cliff Kingsbury was Sumlin's office coordinator with Johnny Manziel. It was uh, Manziel, Murray, um, I think, was it Baker? Yeah, but this is before, no, he was the offensive coordinator for A&M. That you know one year. Talking about the quarterbacks he was with, it was Manziel, Baker, Murray, and somebody else recently. Yeah, yeah all of that was after. Yeah. Like, Manziel is the reason why he even got the job at Texas yeah. Tech. Yeah. But my whole thing was, it wasn't an offense. Manziel was just running around. People don't understand. Oh, my God. I knew I was going to do this. What people don't understand is 
and this is why I always say this, and I'm not saying this because I played this position, but defensive back is the hardest position to play. When there's a quarterback that's just running around and you're in man coverage, the receiver starts freelancing just to get open. And you just got to follow this dude around. So all that offense was was Manziel running around, running around, running around, boom, a dude popped open throwing the ball. So mm-hmm. it's just like – so even though Cliff Kingsbury was like, okay, I was the offense coordinator of a guy who won the Heisman Trophy – and you get a job at Texas Tech, it's also like, dude, like, they didn't run an offense. Like, he was just running around. So when they say that he didn't watch film, well, when you look at his high school career and his college career, he wasn't running an offense. He was just doing backyard shit and just the shit just worked. But anyway, so he had flew to uh, Vegas. On a Saturday, mm-hmm. and was gonna fly and party in Vegas, and then fly back to Cleveland and be ready for the game on Sunday. But right. the motherfucker didn't. Ch- he didn't check to see what time the last flight out of Vegas was back to Cleveland. <laughs> then he started to look at it. The last flight leaves at like ten thirty, and it was like eleven o'clock. So yeah. he said, "Well, I missed it. So fuck it. I'm just gonna keep partying." <laughs> And that's when Cleveland cut him. Let's let's move on, man. I don't want to keep talking about this shit, man. Hey, these, these are dark times for me. Hey, yo, that shit is wild, yo. Wild. But y'all, uh the shy on Showtime, sixth season, yeah, untold yeah. Johnny Football. Johnny Fuck. <laughs> I, on Netflix, man. Hey, I'm man, sorry I went so long. Let me tell you something. No, I'm glad you did. Let me tell you something. I went to go see that motherfucker live and in living color in Cincinnati Thursday night. Worst night of my life. <laughs> Worst night of my fucking life, man. Okay? Horrible. Oh, man. Horrible. Nigga, we scored in the third quarter. With to, he, he threw it to David Njoku from the seven. In the red zone. And after that, they ate us the fuck up. Oh, man. Fucking Andy Dalton was firing on all cylinders. I'm talking about, nigga, it was niggas I ain't never seen before coming out there scoring for the Bengals, making plays. And guess who did nothing? Fucking Johnny fuck up, bro. That nigga was getting sacked left and right, man. That was the worst guy. And that was my first football game, too. He fucked it all up for me, bro. Man, so from that point man. on, man, I, I don't fuck with dude. So fuck him. I hate <laughs> but uh man, for me, it's it ain't nothing too crazy, man. It ain't it really ain't even nothing new. Um, what I've been watching is I've been going back and re-watching some of my favorite TV shows. I got uh, I actually got three. Um, all on Hulu. Um, first and foremost, um I went back and watched all of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, hilarious show. If you haven't seen it, it's on FX. But if you have Hulu, you can go back and watch all the way back to season one. Um, and then I also caught, got caught up on What We Do in the Shadows, which is also on FX. Um, but, of course, Hulu, you can catch up, you know what I'm saying, with the newest shows. That um, that series is still going on right now. I think they're in, like, season six or something like that. And it's a hilarious show, by the way, too. Um, it's about 
uh, vampires living in, you know what I'm saying, like regular society and shit, and they be mm-hmm. going through like a whole bunch of different shit. But one of the um, one of the characters on there, his name is Guillermo, and he's the familiar for like the head vampire of the show. Well, this season he gets turned into a vampire. So like with the familiar, like the you know how like Igor and all them niggas, basically mm-hmm. the whole hopes of being a familiar is that you you know what I'm saying you constantly work for this person to eventually be turned into a vampire later on in life. Well, <laughs> this nigga went to another vampire and got turned into a vampire. <laughs> and his and the vampire that he worked for don't know yet. So they working around that and it's it's just funny as fuck, man. Um it's all comedy. And then of course, man, I had to go back and rewatch Scrubs. If you haven't seen Scrubs, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but definitely get on Hulu, go watch Scrubs, go watch What We Do in the Shadows, and then go watch um Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Constant laughs, all bingeable, and I guarantee you, you're gonna have a better day. <clears throat> so yeah, man. So, um, man, let's go ahead and get into it, man. Um, we have one of the funniest movies, um, possibly ever. Maybe one of the most underrated movies as well. Um, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, today we are doing Double Take, uh, starring Orlando Jones, Eddie Griffin, um, and a host of other people. This movie is about a what what was he like a financial advisor or a broker or something? Yeah, something something definitely in the he bank. I bank. can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, it was one of those things. Yeah, he worked for a bank. Um so he let's just say he a banker. Um Daryl Chase, who's a banker, was pretty much working for this bank and um he seen a transaction that came through that didn't look right. And it was related to an assassination on the, was it Mexico? The Mexican uh, president or whatever. It was assassination of the Mexican president. Um, And in the midst of that, somehow he got caught up in it because he was looking over the accounts that all that stuff was over. So the CIA gets involved. The cartel gets involved. A bunch of other people gets involved. He ends up running into... Uh, Freddie Tiffany, who is, you know what I'm saying, a local street hustler, and they switch identities. And in the midst of switching identities, they end up working together to figure out what's going on. Um, and, you know what I'm saying, of course, they break the case. Everything ends up being right. Um, and I'll let you take it from here, man. Man, listen. It's it's definitely one of those really, really underrated movies, man. Because then when you look back, so this movie came out in 2001, right? When you when you look at the time of the movies that was coming out in the mid-90s up into the 2000s, like early 2000s, like these movies were, it was movies that were looked upon as like, might have came out in the theaters, but went the DVD really, really fast. Like a lot of people would have looked at this movie and thought of it as like a straight to DVD type of film. But the way that this movie was done and the type of comedians that Orlando Jones was and Eddie Griffin was, because 
you really got to look at like what Eddie Griffin was doing at that time. Like the he had like the undercover brother, which came out a year after this came out. But you know he was in you know John Q, which was it wasn't like the character that he played. Obviously, he wasn't like the main guy like in that movie. Mm-hmm. But when you look at like the things that he was doing before Double Take, like it was it was smaller type of films. But he also did have his own TV show, Malcolm and Eddie, which started in ninety six or two thousand. But the movie that really stood out to me that he done where he really was able to take that lead role was Foolish. And Foolish mm-hmm. came out in ninety nine. So yeah. Fucking great. That's the best movie Master P ever done. Yeah, for sure. Foolish. For sure. And but when you look at him and you look at Orlando Jones, like, yeah, like even the 2001, that don't hold the candle to like a lot of the other films of like when you say lead characters. So I think right. that's one the one of the reasons why this movie kind of got swept under the rug. But mm-hmm. if you watch it. It is one of the funniest fucking shit you've ever seen. Great story, too. Yeah, great. the story ended up being really great because, and then just the way, like, he took the character of Freddie Tiffany, you know what I'm saying, internationally known Freddie Tiffany. You know, like, it was, I don't know, man. Like, this is just one of those films where, like, if you go around, you know what? If you If you walk up to people and be like, you know, double take, uh, bait. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. like movies like that. Like a lot of people, like what? Like what? What is that? You know what I'm saying? That's what that you know, like you've seen it and you know it, but you just don't know the name of it. Exactly. Yeah. And then I also think it's a certain demographic yeah. who would know and seen it, and and that's why I think that this movie is very underrated because I just think that there are a lot of people who just like what. Orlando Jones, Eddie Griffin, oh, nah, you know, and well, and not understanding how fucking hilarious this shit is. Exactly. But what I think a lot of people don't understand, too, is that this was actually at like the height of, of, uh, of Orlando Jones. So for those who don't really know about Orlando Jones, he really got his big break, truthfully, when Mad TV started hitting. And it was around the time that Mad TV and SNL was kind of, you know what I'm saying, fighting for that weekend spot. You know what I'm saying? Like Saturday Night Live would come on. You know what I'm saying? Mad TV would come on Fox. SNL would come on with NBC. And after a while, like, Mad TV started taking the ratings because they were hitting certain topics and subjects. And, you know what I'm saying, they was able to kind of, you know what I'm saying, bend the corner a little bit more than SNL would, you know what I'm saying, when SNL wouldn't bend that corner, as far as, you know what I'm saying, being in that lane, they would kind of just take the straight and narrow road, like, you know, Mad TV was like, nah, we gonna, we gonna curve it a little bit, and they was, um, they was a little bit more raunchier than what SNL was, and because Orlando Jones was a part of that, um, he kind of took off with that success and ended up being in certain roles. So like, um, if you ever seen mad TV, Orlando Jones was the guy who would, who would do the, the, uh, the Bill Cosby impersonations and stuff like that. Um, but 
you know what I'm saying? Eventually he would be in movies like I think he was in like the replacements. Um yep. you know what I'm saying? Uh off the top of the head, that's the that's the only one I could think of that had like the major, major, you know what I'm saying? Um yeah, that was 2000. He was in Drumline, um, Evolution, Time Machine. So he has some. He has movies under his belt to where he's really doing his thing. But this one, to me, I felt like was like his his big break because he's the lead role in this, and because he's so good at what he does, he can kind of you know what I'm saying give you a variety of everything. He can give you comedy. He can give you drama. You know what I'm saying? He can give you action if need be. He can do a lot of different things as far as acting goes. Um, this was perfect for him. And it kind of showed, you know what I'm saying, his range in acting. Um, and so with this, what's funny is because you got two comedic actors, Orlando Jones has to play the straight man. Mm-hmm. Compared to Eddie Griffin. And Eddie Griffin is already known because... First off, stand-up comedian, Malcolm and Eddie, um, Cosby Show, and so many other things he's he's done. And he's really the bigger star in this, if you really think about it. Like, Eddie Griffin really is the bigger star. But because he's playing next to Orlando Jones, who is supposed to be the star of his movie, of course, he's getting a comedy role, and then Orlando Jones plays the straight man, which I think is very interesting because you have two, quote-unquote, comedians playing in this movie. And they're playing opposite of each other, which is, you know, you don't get a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you see a guy like Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart is, you know what I'm saying, a, a, you know, a, a good actor. You know what I'm saying? He plays Kevin Hart in everything he does. Mm-hmm. But we haven't, <clears throat> excuse me, we haven't seen Kevin Hart play a lead role with another comedian. You know what I'm saying? We've seen it with Martin Lawrence when he did uh, what was it? Death of a Funeral with Chris Rock. You yep. know what I'm saying? We've seen him in um, what was it? Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. You know what I'm saying? Say we've seen, yep, we've seen Steve Harvey and Said do it. Um, we've seen a couple of them, you know, do it where they're actually going at it with another comedian. But usually when they do it, it's always with a guy that's completely opposite of what they do you know what i'm saying if you look at kevin hart's trajectory the movies that he plays the comedic role in is always with somebody who's not a comedian even when he did um what was it, the wedding ringer or whatever that shit was called yeah did it yeah josh gad or something like that yeah like he the the josh gad dude was supposed to be the comedy in that in that film and kevin hart was supposed to be the straight man and it didn't it didn't really hit like it was supposed to because it's like you expect Kevin Hart to be the comedian. You don't expect him to be the straight man in that role. And so, like a lot of a lot of these, you know what I'm saying, films, you don't get a chance to see two guys who come from a funny background to be able to to do a movie like this. And I think that's what really made this movie so good was because they were both comedians. Yeah. And and Orlando Jones did play the straight man, but then at the same time, like he had like his moments. Like like I've always told you, like the, the fucking funniest part of this movie to me is the part where they're they are in the um they're in the hotel room mm-hmm. and uh at that uh 
that that one ranch joint. And um and so then uh he was like like Eddie Eddie Griffin's like oh well excuse me like Freddie Tiffin's like he was like Fiji water Fiji damn water he was like wait a minute this is the Pepsi truck he was yeah. and then like he was like he going through these pins he was like man he's like, I got to, I gotta find the right damn pin he was like man so have a strike team here in thirty seconds he said, <laughs> like, he said it's me. Freddy, send help soon. Sign Rogue. <laughs> hey, nah, bro. That shit is the funniest shit to me, man. The funniest scene in the movie is when they on the train and he come up to him and he be like, he acted like Freddy and he be like, uh, what would you like to drink, sir? He be like, let me get a 40 ounce. He said a 40 ounce. He said, yeah, 40 ounce of what? Slits malt liquor. <laughs> he was like, uh, we don't serve slits malt liquor here. He was like, what? Y'all don't serve no slits malt liquor. He said, what kind of <laughs> don't serve no malt liquor? Bro, that is the funniest shit because he is, he's in, he's trying to do his best impersonation of Eddie Griffin doing that character. And that makes it so funny because like, first and foremost, when you're doing impersonation, you got so many, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got so many things to, like, kind of feed off of. But mm -hmm. to be able to do that in that moment, knowing that he really didn't have nothing to go off of, he really doing Eddie Griffin. But he trying to do Eddie Griffin doing a character, that made it that much funnier. Yeah, that, that, shit, that shit was funny. Now, I mean, like, that's, it's, it's funny, but it was just like, the I like when you remember when they was at uh so Daryl chases at this event where his 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 I can't remember if she was his wife or just his girlfriend but it's like she's doing her modeling shit or whatever and so she uh so he's sitting with uh one of the investor guys which was from uh, the guy from the from Mexico or whatever whatnot mm -hmm. and then. Freddie Tiffany come up and then the dude turn around and look at him and he's like, dude, what is up with your eye? Because <laughs> the dude had a glass eye and that yeah. eye would always sit to the side. And I was just like, yo, he got that dude like three or four times, man. But like, yeah. but that, but this whole movie, like, to to find out at the end of this movie that the whole time Freddie Tiffany is posing to be like just this. Thugged out, not thugged out, but this hustler dude on the street who just, you know what I'm saying, hustle people for money or whatever, whatnot, right? And yeah. then come to find out, this dude is actually with a fucking branch of the FBI who mm -hmm. was fucking sent in to fucking look after him because there was some people that was in the FBI that was dirty. Yeah. And then, it like, because this whole movie, the movie is called Double Tape because he was like, so he when seen at all, yeah, nothing is what it seems. So Daryl Chase goes home one day, so people come in to kill him, and then miraculously somebody busts in at the right time and shoot him. Mm -hmm. Well, come to find out, it's called Double Tape. He's like, yo, if you would have looked again, you would have saw that this whole shit was staged and it was fake. And they what they were doing was those FBI agents was trying to gain your trust. So you can help them keep doing the dirty shit that they're doing. Exactly. 
And he was with another branch to take down those FBI agents and those people that was in Mexico who was funneling the money and all this type shit. So when you're when you were talking earlier about like the like the story of this movie, that is also some shit that they made dope because another thing, Vivica A. Fox was in here, but not much. Right. But like she was someone that he knew because she was she worked at quote unquote worked at the bank or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she was working undercover the whole time and he thought she was dead and then she pops up at the end and she's part of the fucking FBI. So shit. it's like... Man, let me tell you something. First off, Gary Grubbs, shout out to him. Daniel Roebuck, shout out to him. Sterling Macer, um, Garcelle Bouvier. Um, who else is in this joint? Carlos Carrasco and... I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see. It's another person in here too. Um, they all ended up having some very um some very important careers in this movie, uh coming off of this movie as well. Oh, Alexander Folk. If you don't know Alexander Folk, man, he's been in a whole bunch of different shit. Older black guy who always ended up playing like a detective or a cop or some shit like that. Um, but they really ended up like off of this movie, they end up coming up and really having some major careers. They they did, they did, but even with that, man, it's, it's I, I think the way and you brought up a good point. Now you got my fucking mind wondering, man, because I'm like, you, you are right though. I That's don't story. remember that because to me, I look at it like the story is really two stories because you have to tell the, the initial story. But you also have to tell a story that's literally layered up under that as something totally different. So it's not like you just writing, you really writing two movies in a way. I yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. I see what you said because be, and you have an FBI agent that is going undercover mm-hmm. and he has to. He has to wait to see if he can even trust Daryl in the first place to actually tell him who he is. Because, like I said, he was portraying himself to be like the street hustler guy. Right. And then he has to wait that he can trust you. That's when he finally figured out on the train that he could trust him to be like, yo, I'm FBI. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. those dudes... McCready, who you think is good, McCready is actually dirty. and He's the one who's trying to get you to trust him so they can, you know what I'm saying, kill, eventually kill you or whatever. Yeah. So, like, it's it's two... You're right. It is two stories within one, which I don't think that this movie really get the credit that it deserves because you also see a change in Freddie Tiffany, too. Because mm-hmm. he's playing a character for the first, like, 30 to 45 minutes of this movie. He's yeah. playing a character. Yeah. And then he finally tell him who he is and then I wouldn't say that his demeanor changed. It just kind of shifted a little bit. Of like more serious. Yeah. And, and, and that's an interesting point that you bring up because at this point in the movie, when that happens, the character shift, they switch roles. So in the beginning, you got, and this is why I say I think it's dope that you get two comedians in this. Because in the beginning of it, you get Orlando Jones, who's like I said, he's the straight man in this movie initially. And then you get Eddie Griffin, who is the comedian. And then when that 
scene comes about, then now they switch to where Eddie Griffin is now the straight man and Orlando Jones becomes the comedian. And it's not too many movies you see that's able to pull that off. And you are 100% right. Yeah. So two points, like when they made the switch mm-hmm. and it's funny because people, when they, when they went to Mexico, well, he went to Mexico because he tried to leave Freddie because he thought Freddie was crazy. Right. So he tried to go to Mexico on his own and then not knowing that Freddie Tiffany is fucking wanted in Mexico. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> so he's ended up now he got to say, no, 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 like, I'm not Freddie Tiffany. Like, I'm just pretending to be Freddie Tiffany, but I'm not really Freddie Tiffany and all this type of shit. Mm-hmm. But you brought up a great point, and you got me thinking, like, I'm thinking about the movies that, now, he did do it one time with your boy, Will Ferrell, with, with uh, Get Hard. Okay. This is the difference. This is the difference. He... Kevin Hart is continuously the straight man in this movie. He's never the comedian in this movie. Will Ferrell is literally the comedian in this movie. You know what? You're right. Because he was playing like this punk guy who, because he thought that because Kevin Hart was black that he could teach him to be hard to go to prison. And come to find out he was a punk. But this is the genius. This is the genius of this movie. Well, this is the genius of Get Hard. And this is why I think this is, to me, this is one of Kevin Hart's best movies. And this is the genius of it. Initially, you believe that Will Ferrell is the straight man because he's playing the dude that's at the fucking, you know what I'm saying, the broker firm. And he he can hit the numbers and, you know, make sure everything, all the stocks are right and shit like that. And then you get Kevin Hart, who's supposed to be posing as like this dude who's supposed to be a gangster. That's never the case because Will Ferrell because of the, his style of comedy is always the comedian no matter what that's that's his style of comedy that's just how it's going to be kevin hart ends up being a straight man because whatever he's portraying to be in the movie or whatever his character is portraying to be in the movie is not really who he is he's really just like this married dude with a family and everything else and then when you see how everything ends up playing out, you realize that Will Ferrell is really the one bringing all of the funny in this movie. You know what I'm saying? It is. He he really is. But like, I was just thinking like, damn, have he ever done it before? And um, that just popped up on me. But like, he really don't do like a ton of movies where he's like the lead. He don't do a ton of movies with, with other comedians like that. Right. And this movie for them to be able to to switch the roles, but not only they switch the roles, but they also shift their demeanors at the same time. Exactly. So like exactly. and then both of them are trying to act like each other in different certain times of the movie, which also makes the shit funny. Like you said, the whole scene about the moat liquor. You know what yeah. I'm saying? The whole scene where he's trying to act like he's Freddie Tiffany when he was at the fucking uh when he was at the border. Yeah. And he was like, internationally known Freddie <laughs> Tiffany. You know what I mean? And then they was like, oh, Freddie Tiffany. And they take his ass to the fucking police. And then the one girl who we think is Freddie Tiffany's uh, girlfriend, and she's, you know, and holding quote unquote Freddie Tiffany's baby and all this type of shit. And she mm-hmm. come in and, and be like, oh, you don't know who I am? 
And then you got the cops in there like, damn, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, knock this girl up. You're going to see her and that like you don't know who she is. Right. And come to find out the whole time she worked with Freddie Tiffany. It was just like. I, I got you. I got you right here. Let me see if it. Let me see if I can get this going. I got you right here. Well, according to the two D cups on your watch, it's dinner time. You got dinner time money? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You know, your credit's good with me. Excuse me, sir. There's a paper. No. That's for him. Thanks, Guido. It's Vito. Whatever. Thank you, sir. Anytime, then. Why don't you just bury your head in his ass? <laughs> Is the gentleman ready to order? Uh, yes, yes. I'm going to have, let's see here, the prime rib, medium rare, and bring me some Grand Marnier over the rocks. It's the way we used to have it when I was in Harvard. Chomsky made the best ones. Oh, I'm off <laughs> the yard, bird, burnt to a crib. Then I need you to spit on that with a little bit of that hot Tabasco, and I'm going to wash all that down with a forty dog and slip malt liquor. I'm sorry, sir. I don't believe we have slit malt liquor. No slit malt liquor? No slit malt liquor? Well, ain't that some shit? How you gonna run a successful business and you ain't got no slip more liquor? You ain't keeping it real. You ain't rep What you doing up in here, boy? I'll see what I can do, sir. You do that. Fresh Prince of looking mom. You do look like the father on the Fresh Prince. Hey, man. Oh, my goodness. You talk about yep. just, bro. It's scenes like that. First and foremost, this is what they marketed this whole movie off of, first and foremost. Like, if you ever seen the trailer for this, that's in the trailer. So that just lets you know that that scene right there, bro, is that fucking funny. Like, they, like they, they knew it was. Yeah, for like sure. Like, they knew it was. And then I like how they gave us the, fur, the full circle on the whole thing of like, cause he thought, cause there was like certain times throughout the movie where Freddie almost got him. He was like, get the fuck out of here, man. Ain't no damn pin gonna have a strike team here in 30 seconds. And so we, so he, he hyped it up the whole film Yeah, and we never seen it. And so then we get to the end of the movie and, and they on the beach, you know what I'm saying? They got their girls and you know what I'm saying? They chilling. And he goes to uh, fucking uh, sign uh, for a check or whatever, and he clicked the pen. And Freddie was like, "Wait a minute, did you just click that pen?" He's like, "Oh, let me guess. The strike team is gonna be here in thirty seconds." Then all of a sudden, these fucking helicopters, fucking dudes coming in on fucking float boats and shit. And I was like, "Yo, they say that shit for the perfect time because they hype that shit throughout the whole movie." And you thinking Freddie Tiffany is full of shit. Like, ain't no way a pin gonna call a strike team here in 30 seconds. And then we see the strike team come in at the very last second of the movie. I thought that shit was dope. I know it's cheesy a little bit, 
Mm-hmm. But it's also dope that like because everything that Freddie Tiffany was saying, it always, you know what I'm saying? You know when that person that just hype everything up and you like, man, you all man, you all talk. Like mm-hmm. everything you say gonna happen never fucking happens. And then it's just like then you see it and it's like, oh man, they found they gave us a full circle on it. I thought it was dope how they pulled it off towards the end of the movie. That was I like that. That was funny. I do too, man. And and the thing is, is like yeah. what I definitely appreciate is um the fact that they kept it at comedy, right? Like when you when you get a chance to be able to bring a joke around full circle as a comedian, that's how you know like everything you're doing is hitting, everything is on point. So to be able to do that in a movie is even better because, like you said, for them to be hyping this up the whole time, and every time it's some type of trouble, he keep talking about this pen, and you like, all right, this this goddamn pen don't exist. At this point, when you're watching it in the audience, you like, okay, if, if this pen magically happens, then you know what I'm saying, we'd be happy that it happens. And through the whole thing, we never see this until finally everything is solved, everything is done. You think that you know what I'm saying? Feet kicked up, everybody drinking Mai Tais, chilling on the beach, all that shit. And then finally he clicks the pin and signs some shit. And the next thing you know, they come in. It's like, to me, that's just like writing greatness. I think that the writers of this film are really the stars because they really put this movie together. I think this is more so um, a success on whoever wrote the film more so than it is than just the actors. You know what I'm saying? Or do that make sense? No, it made perfect sense because in that scene, like we're we're talking about them acting like each other in that right. moment. But right. what they also showed us was the prejudice too. Mm-hmm. When Freddie was wearing the sweatshirt and you know what I'm saying, all that type of shit, nobody mm-hmm. paid him no mind. They looked at him as like, you know what I'm saying, the thug dude that's around or whatever. And because Daryl Chase would wear, you know what I'm saying, a suit, tie, all this type of shit like a businessman, then we saw the switch. Mm-hmm. So this guy came up and he gave Freddie Tiffany the paper. Right. And then he snatched the paper like, that wasn't for you, that was for him. Mm-hmm. And it shows you the prejudice of like, you got two black men, you got one in the suit and one not in the suit, but you portray the man that's in the suit as an upstanding citizen. When at the time we thought Freddie Tiffany was just this hustler dude that hustled him out some money, you know what I'm saying? And Daryl Chase was the bank guy, but then he put on the clothes and then he saw the other side, like, oh shit, like you getting judged because of the way you dress, and like I'm the one who went to Harvard and all this type of shit, but because I got a hoodie on and some pants and you got a suit on, I'm getting treated differently. Yeah. So even in a funny scene. We getting hit with prejudice, but a lot of people probably don't even notice that prejudice is being shown in this moment. That's and that's a great point. And I think a lot of times because um because of the because of the style of the movie and because of the cast and because of the budget that it probably got, I think that most of the time it's not necessarily a thing that people are gonna pay attention to only because it's not um, as prevalent in the movie as it's supposed to be. And I think that you really caught 
a good one in this one because the way that they're viewed in the beginning, and I think this is it really the title of the film really does, you know what I'm saying, give a multi entendre feel because you know what I'm saying it's not just you know, they say like double take, right? So, you know what I'm saying? You see them switch up and that's a double take in that. Like you said, with, you know what I'm saying? Them switching up, one got on the suit, what one has on street clothes and the one in street clothes never gets the respect he deserves. However, the one in the suit is being respected. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it is what it is. Um, And then even just that, the fact that, you know what I'm saying? You bring in Freddie Tiffany, who's playing this quote unquote street hustler, but he's really an FBI agent. And then, you know, you got all of these other players in the mix who are posing as one thing and there's something else. And then even in the story, how the story is supposed to go this way. And then we find out that none of this shit really happened. You know what I'm saying? We think the assassination happened and it really didn't. You know what I'm saying? All of this shit is just not what it is. I think that for them to be able to put all this together the way that they did, um, First and foremost, once again, is genius. But second, to put something like that in there, right, to show how they're being treated, you know what I'm saying, differently because of the style that they dress or the way that they look or whatever is also genius because that also adds to the the whole message of the movie. Even though there's really no initial message of the movie, it's still kind of one because of the fact that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's a layer. I mean, this really is a layered movie. Mm-hmm. If, you really, if you really, like, sit down and watch it and, and really pay attention, like, this really is a layered movie because there's so much going on at the same time. You don't realize how much is really being, you know what I'm saying, like, input in this whole thing. And certain stuff you don't see, like, for you to bring up the whole, like, you know, um, you what you can call it racism, you can call it bigotry, you can call it prejudice, whatever you want to call it. That scene was a, a major part of it. Even the, even the fact that when you say you don't got no slit malt liquor, like even that is a you know what I'm saying. Like even that adds to that scene on a whole different level compared to it being in like maybe like some Scorsese type shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually, you brought up a point, and I just want to give it to you before we close it out. I'm actually surprised, but I'm not, and I'll tell you why. The mm-hmm. budget for this movie was $24 million estimated. Mm-hmm. So opening weekend, they got eleven point seven. Right. It grossed uh, $29.8, and mm-hmm. worldwide, $31.6. So they end up getting $7.6 uh, yeah. million, you know what I'm saying, overall, which mm-hmm. When you think about the money that was put into it, I mean, anytime you could get back more than what you put in, it's a win. But I mean, it's a slight win. And the reason why I said slim win, that's what I'm saying. And (laughs) and the reason why I say I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised to think that a movie that is led by Orlando Jones and Eddie Griffin that they would even get a budget up to 24 million. Yeah. But then at the same time, we're talking 2001. Hollywood was at a different time at that time. Very different time. They they were able to put up that type of money Mm -hmm. for a movie. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not surprised, but I am surprised. I'm surprised that they gave uh, Eddie Griffin and Orlando Jones 
led movie 24 million, but when I think about 2001, 24 million, okay. I, I can see how they gave that to, yeah. you know what I'm saying, to a movie. So especially, you know, especially like I said, with the with the star power of Orlando Jones at the time. Like I said, he was coming up because he was in a lot of shit. And you gotta remember, Mad TV is huge around this time. If you look at the 2000s, with and I and I like to bring this up again because I think that that's a real significant point, and um, the way that Orlando Jones is being cast in this movie because he's the lead, but not only is he the lead, he's also a very significant player in Mad TV, being what it was in the moment. And and around the time that SNL and Mad TV was going at it, Will Ferrell was kind of getting out of that SNL phase. Jimmy Fallon was kind of getting out of there. Uh, Chris Kattan was getting out of there. Molly Shannon was getting out of there. Um, shit. It was, I mean, like, the 2000s for SNL, it was a lot of people moving out. Like, a lot of them. And they were going into the movies and doing their thing. And so, for them to kind of, like, usher themselves into Hollywood, for sure, and getting into those movies... SNL was kind of taking a dive because you start missing some of those star players. And then with Mad TV, because they were on the uprise, their star players were still there. And so when you would watch for Saturday night, that slot, SNL wasn't getting that same love that they usually get. And if you know anything about SNL, this is a cycle that they go through. And so you'll see, um, for instance, like Steve Martin, um, Eddie Murphy and and um, Dan Aykroyd and all those guys, they were, you know, doing everything with SNL, Chris Farley and those guys. Next thing you know, they're in movies. And then the next group comes along, Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan, you know what I'm saying, um, so on and so forth. And then now they're in movies. And the next thing you know, you get guys like Bill Hader and um, the rest of the cast that's, you know what I'm saying, that's recently been in movies like Horrible Bosses and all these other films, that's the, you know what I'm saying, that's the next cast to come out of SNL. So now when you see SNL, because they've been able to survive so long, it may seem like, oh, there's no way Mad TV was able to go toe for toe with them. But if you really look at it, they've literally had like draft classes of fucking Hollywood stars. Well, when Mad TV popped, Mad TV had Will Sasso. They had um, um, Deborah. Uh, oh my God, I can't remember her last name. Um, I know her first name is Deborah. She's the black lady. Deborah. So I forgot what her last name is. Forgive me. And then you had um, Orlando Jones. You know what I'm saying? You had um, Ari Spears. Like you had a bunch of people coming out who were also trying to get into Hollywood, but couldn't get on SNL. And then, like I said, because Mad TV kind of, you know what I'm saying, like pushed the limits, they were able to get in certain movies. And so I feel like with Orlando Jones being able to do what he did on Mad TV, getting into this, this is what, to me, made, you know what I'm saying, like made it possible for him to be able to get paired up with a Eddie Griffin. Because there's nobody from SNL that could have pulled this off. Especially in that time span. 
That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nobody from SNL that was gonna be able to do that. And so when you get a guy like Eddie Griffin, because of his comedy and his style of comedy too, the way that he's able to show his range, the way that Orlando Jones also shows his range, and then also place the other pieces around him that uh, that I named earlier. And and to you know, saying like I said, to really make this movie what it is, the story the story in itself already great, but then you get the cast to kind of bring it alive, and then when you see it and you watch it, it's like ah. Of course, it ended up being one of those movies that was ended up like on BET every other weekend, but it was so good that it deserved to be. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, yep. that that made sense. 100% agree. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um let's go ahead and get into it, man. We got to uh we got to rate this thing, man. Let's jump into the fire flames. Let's do it. Yoga fire. Yoga flame. So what you giving it, bro? Uh all right. So like you had said earlier, and then it's just like when, when you go back and you look at this cast and you know Think about what these people ended up becoming like afterwards. Like nobody, I hate to say this, but like, let's put it this way. Nobody came like a blockbuster star. Right. But, you know what I'm saying? But some of them end up becoming stars in their own rights. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But to pair these two together like they did with the storyline that they was able to put together. Um, I think I think that that part of it was phenomenal. I think that this is a movie that is a huge sleeper. I think a lot of people sleep on it. It's just I think that people really never, obviously, by what we seen with this movie made, like you know, it, it wasn't something that became so, something huge, but the impact is more stronger than you know what I mean. What is being portrayed that it is. So I'm gonna give it a four. Um, it gives you the comedy that you want. Um, we, we we didn't really cover like a lot of the most funniest moments in this movie because we wanted to appreciate the story a little bit more. But um, but like the whole thing of the emu ranch, all of that shit was fucking funny. The emu. Um, emu ranch, yeah, like that sh- that shit was hilarious. But um, yeah, man, I, I I gotta I gotta get us a four, and I think that Eddie Griffin is one of the most unappreciated fucking stand-up comedians that are out there. And one of these days, we got a couple foolish. I just want to put that out there. But I'm going to give it a four. Um, I'm going to go one step under you, and I'm going to three and a half. And the only reason I say that is because as good as this movie is, um, it, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. Okay. You know what I'm saying it didn't hit like it was supposed to, and, and I don't think it's because of the cast or the story writing. I think that just at the time it wasn't the right moment, right? And because this came out when it did, um, I feel like that it was a little bit too early because, like, those early 2000s to like, I, I say from like 2000, well, I, I 1998 to like around maybe 2005 was the perfect time for black cinema because in that moment, like we got so many great black films and 
um I think that if this would have came out towards like maybe the tail end, maybe around like 0304, I think it probably would have hit a lot better and been more successful because around that time that's when it was like it was it was really hitting. Like I'm trying to think like when did the wood come out? The wood came out in what? Oh, wood came out in 99. Okay, so the wood came out in 99. And then you got that on top of everything that came out in 2000. I'm trying to think what else is possibly around that time. Like Love Jones was a was Love Jones around that time? No, not Love Jones. What what am I thinking of? Um what's the one with uh Oh my God! With Queen Latifah and Most Def and Tay Diggs, uh, Brown and, Sugar, Brown Sugar came out around. You know what I'm saying? Around that time, like it was a lot more. Um, it was a lot more. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, like black cinema coming coming out, and even though it may not have been as good as it should have been, it still had its place in that moment. And I feel like if you would have gave it another year or so. I think this movie really would have hit the way it was supposed to because it's really that good, but it's just the, the timing of it to me, I feel like just wasn't right. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. Respect, respect. You made a great point. For sure, man. Um, So let's move on, man. Let's get into uh, Coming Soon. Let's do it. Coming soon to own on video and DVD. All right. This next one is uh gonna bother some people. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna it's gonna mess with some minds, uh, and it, and it's gonna shake some rooms. Um, this next one is starring Kevin Bacon. This is possibly one of the most. I don't want to really put too much on it, but for me at least, this is probably one of the most greatest psychological, supernatural. Uh, well, it ain't, it ain't really horror, but su- supernatural psychological thrillers to ever come out. And we talking about Stir of Echoes. This shit was, to me, fire. I fuck with it heavy. This movie is the main, because obviously, you know, this came out, like, I think this came out in 99. Like, we talked yep. about this. We're going to we gonna have to tell this. So we've done so many movies from 99, man. But so obviously this is way before Get Out. So all of you millennials, calm down. Mm-hmm. This was the movie that made me say I never want to get hypnotized. This was this was the movie that to me made Kevin Bacon a good actor. I wouldn't say a good actor. I would say a more respected actor. Wasn't he in Dirty Dancing? No, that was Patrick Swayze, man. Yeah, uh, they all look the same. Man, there you go. It was a dancing movie. It was a movie he was dancing in. Footloose, man. He did Footloose. Same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. But I wouldn't say, I would just say, I think he became more respected as no, an actor. For sure, for sure. For sure. And, and, and Star Echoes. Yes, definitely. He, he really, he really did a hell of a job in this. But for all those that heard that, I apologize. I didn't know that Footloose and Dirty Dancing was not the same movie. But I mean, if you go back and watch it, you know it's not the same movie. It's definitely the same movie. Bro. No, it's not, man. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Listen, <laughs> man, I'm, 
I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell but this is the thing though. And I told you, this is shit I used to be fucking shy about, and I used to be like, look, now I don't give a fuck. Yo, yeah. Dirty Dance is one of my guilty pleasures, man. I fuck with that movie. Heavy. I fuck with that movie heavy. You know what I'm saying? The only, just, the only difference between Dirty Dancing and Footloose is that um, Footloose had a song. Well, Dirty Dancing, when you listen to the soundtrack, like a, there's a lot of fucking hits on that fucking shit, man. Yeah. If you're into old music, you know what I'm saying? If you're, if you're into that. I fought with Dirty Dancing because it was just the fact of, like, people who... Because we've heard the stories of, like, Elvis and shit like that, how this motherfucker really, like, got arrested for, like, moving his hips and shit on stage. And, like, yeah. these motherfuckers is going off in the cut and grinding on motherfuckers. And... Oh. All right, man. All right. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Like, I was just saying, man. Like people, hey, dirty dancing, man. That joint, man. I'm telling you. But uh, yeah, we we close it out. <laughs> Listen, y'all get ready for the next episode, man. Stir Echoes is is bound to shake your core, man. Um, listen, if you enjoyed Double Take. Um, if you didn't enjoy Double Take, or if you are still surprised that niggas ain't out here serving 40 ounces of slit malt liquor, hit us up on the socials, man. Instagram, Twitter, at ViewAndOnPod, Facebook, VA Pod Watch Group. You can hit us up on the community on Twitter where we talk about movies and TVs all day. And um, if you are following the podcast, make sure you subscribe. $2.99. This time I said it right. $2.99 a month. You know what I'm saying? For as low as $3, you can support this podcast and you can get all the extra episodes you want. You know what I'm saying? And we talk about a whole bunch of different things on those episodes. Uh, they're very unpredictable, but they are definitely worth it. So please support this podcast by subscribing um, and joining up and getting those extra, <clears throat> excuse me, extra episodes. Um, and if you like to follow me, you can follow me at Scoots Bronson on Twitter. And y'all can find me at s.foster8 on Instagram and on Twitter at 28 Minutes or Less Pod. That's just on IG. Follow the podcast, 28 Minutes or Less. New episodes going to be coming out very, very, very soon. So be on the lookout for that. I got something special coming up. But uh, last episode is 131, if I'm not mistaken, AI streaming. And uh, that's all I got. That's what's up, man. That is what's up. So listen. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until the next episode, though, like they say in Hollywood, that's a wrap. Cut.